When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Marinero, the sick podcast, and today's podcast is really going to be a joy and a pleasure for me. Why? Well, I was born in 1972, and I was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan at the age of 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And one of my favorite players was Shane Corson because he was a heart and soul player back then. He's a heart and soul guy right now. He joins me. Shane, how you doing, bud? Uh, doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me, brother. You're very welcome. This is going to be a lot of fun because I know you have so many great stories. Anyway, uh, I I look back at that 1984 draft when you were drafted by the Canadians. They drafted Svoboda at five. They drafted you at eight, Riche at 29, and Patrick Watt, 51. That's a pretty good draft. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not a bad pick at 51, Patrick Roy, right? (laughs) Probably probably the greatest goalie ever to play the game as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Marty Broder, no disrespect to him. I played with him in the Olympics in 98, but uh, it was him and Patty and uh, actually Curtis Joseph were with us in 98, but Patrick yeah. was uh, just incredible. And he always he was awesome during the season, but when it came playoff time, he just took it to another level. So it was a, it was a great draft. The reach was unbelievable, scored 50 goals twice. Uh, Peter Sabota, obviously a great player. And, uh, you know, they're all good friends of mine. So it was a pretty good. amazing draft. Refresh my memory, though, because there's some things I don't remember, but I remember you played in the 85-86 season. You played a couple of games, right? How did that go back then? Because that's the season you guys went on to win the Cup. Yeah, I uh, I stayed for the first 10 games. At, by that, at that time, you had to either stay. If you went past 10 games, you were staying for the season, or if you went back to junior. So uh, I met with Serge, and we thought it was probably best for my development to go back to junior, playing the World Junior Championships for my second year in a row, and uh, and then actually I was supposed to come up and play in the 86 playoffs, but I got hurt my last game of junior tore my, my knee and ankle up. But uh, I'd actually, right. I'd actually met with Andre Boudreau second last game in London. He brought me my plane ticket and everything. Boudreau was our assistant GM at the time. And he had brought me my plane ticket and said, we're going to bring you up and uh, you're probably going to play. So get ready. And then I got hurt. So I actually still came, uh, was around the team, had a cast up to my uh, hip. And uh, then I went, I got another cast after that to my knee and I just uh, watched the playoffs and, Pretty incredible uh, uh, playoff run and winning the cup was was unreal for them. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't part of it and uh, was pretty disappointing, but nothing nothing I could do. Actually, Dave Maley ended up playing from college hockey. Dave Maley yeah. became, a, became a good friend of mine. So couldn't happen to a better guy. He deserved it. He was a, a great person, a great teammate. He scored a big goal in Calgary. I remember Carbonell passed him the puck. He got it off his skate, put it on his stick and was able to bury one. I remember that. <laughs> you remember a lot more than I do. I just know they won the cup and I was around it uh, and it was there for the, they had the parade and had some parties going on in uh, Montreal at that time, obviously, but uh, it's not the same. I mean, I wish I could have won a cup. I never had that, that privilege to win the cup. That's what you dream of as an NHL hockey player yeah. as a kid growing up. And 
Uh, unfortunately, I came close uh, three or four times, but never actually got it. I was happy for all those guys. Great, 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 great guys and great teammates. The next year, the 86-87 season, you were part of it. I'll get to that in a second. It's a sick podcast. The show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sickpod and see why Essentia is the mattress of choice for many athletes, including over 25% of professional hockey players. Use code sickpod for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia, beyond organic sleep. Uh, speaking of sleep, there were some guys that uh, no one was asleep back in the 87 brawl versus the Flyers. I'm going to get to that in a second. But before I do, though, the 86-87 season, you, you, you start off with the Canadians. Was that the year you fought Cordic in camp? Yeah, I fought uh, Johnny. I mean, they, they just won the Stanley Cup as we spoke before. And, uh, I mean, I thought I needed to do something to be noticed and, you know, stay with the big team. And I thought maybe uh, they needed a little bit of toughness. Uh, you know, Cordic and Knuckles was there in Ireland, who's a good friend of mine still, and I'm – I talked to Knuckles probably once a month, but uh, yeah, I just thought I needed to do something to, to be noticed. So I ended up fighting uh, Johnny Cordick. Uh, it did okay, actually. I think I was so scared. I just was thrown as fast as I could and held on with my one arm as tight as I could to his, his arm. But uh, luckily for me, uh, Knuckles was there and Johnny was wanting to fight me again, but Knuckles said, no, you're not fighting him again. It's uh, that's our first rounder. So thanks to uh, Knuckles for uh, probably saving me a bit of a beating maybe. <laughs> A rookie in Montreal, right? And and you had the looks, and you still do. You were a cool guy back then. You're a cool guy now. Tell me the truth. It was pretty cool being a rookie in Montreal back then, eh? It was, sure was. I mean, a great city, great town, uh, great organization, one of the best sports organizations in the world, never mind hockey. And then the city of Montreal, it's so passionate, and they just love their, their hockey team and their players. And we got treated like gold and we had a lot of fun and uh, on and off the ice. It was just uh, it was an incredible to be a part of it. The only thing, uh, the rookie years, we got our heads shaved. So it was, we were, we were well, well recognized. If they didn't recognize me before, they knew that we were rookies of the Montreal Canadiens. So the shaved head actually uh, was a good thing. Now I'm going to bring up this story only because you've brought it up before, but what did you do with one of your paychecks as a rookie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I cashed it at uh, one of the fine establishments in Montreal. <laughs> back then you could just sign the back of the check and get it cashed anywhere. So I decided to do that because the banks were closed. I didn't, and there was no way I didn't know how to work the ATM machine. So, so hold on a second. You have the, you have the check in your pocket. You already know when you're going there that night that you're going to hand over that check or what do you? Yeah. No, I don't think I knew it at the point, but I ran out of money. And like I said, I didn't know how to work the ATM machine. If you know, if you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, uh, I didn't go there thinking I was going to do that, but uh, I guess I ran out of money and needed to do it. All right. I've always wanted to ask you, I mean, still today, everyone talks about that brawl versus the Flyers. Uh, it was such a, there's a lot of scary incidents that actually happened, but if memory serves me well, right, you and Cole Lemieux, you had this ritual of uh, during the pregame warmup that at one point you guys would put the puck in the opposing net, right? So I yeah. think the Flyers took exception to it at one point during the series, so you guys said, okay, you know what? Let's let them get off the ice. And then you decided to jump back onto the ice. Shane, watch the images. Here it is now. John, you maybe here it is. There's Corson put it in. It looks like Hospital grabs him. And now they got Lemieux. They hate Lemieux over here. And there he goes and he puts him down. And he gives him a couple of shots there. Now the teams are coming out of the room. He goes down again. And Lemieux's not fighting back, but uh Corson's uh, getting ready to go now. I, I can't understand why he didn't get in there before. But now the rest of the teams are starting to come. Look at Chico Rest keeping them away. 
and it was all right. But now the rest of the guys are coming now, and you can't believe what happened after this. It went on and on and on. I would say for 10 or 15 minutes. Go watch the video. So you never shied away from a fight, all right? Yeah. So what happened? Tell me why you didn't get involved in that. I think I know why, but tell me. Well, I, I think, first of all, you said it. Uh, looking back on that, it was pretty scary. There was guys out there without, without skates on and flip-flops. Uh, yeah. Dave Brown had no no equipment on the top, and Chris Nyland, again, Knuckles had to, you know, fight him, and that's pretty scary fighting Dave Brown. You have nothing to hold on to. But uh, to be honest, Pepe was telling me, Claude Lemieux, we call him Pepe, was telling me to stay out of it because we didn't want to be suspended. As you notice, Pepe didn't even fight back either. He was just, uh, you know, trying to hold on. Then he flipped uh, Hospitar over on his back and then actually held him down. And he was yelling at me to stay out of it. I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, luckily – I did stay out of it and didn't get thrown out of the game because those two guys, I don't think Hospital and Chico Rush were playing, but uh, the story goes, it, it, actually, we, we we were doing that the, the whole time. We did that for a long time, Claude and I. It was our ritual after uh, warm-up to do that all, after every game. And uh, back then, there was no referees. And I think after that brawl, I think they started having referees in warm-up. But uh, Pepe would either give me the puck and I'd put it in the open net or, or I'd give him and he'd put it in the open net. And what had happened is the game before, they had uh, turned their net around, so we – we uh, actually turned the net back around and did the same thing, put the puck in the net. And then uh, this time we knew they were, they were mad. So we, we kind of uh, weren't sure what to do. And they actually, the ones that went and hid in the, the, the alleyway, going to the dress room and uh, waited for us to do it. And then they came flying out after us. So it was pretty, pretty interesting, but looking back on it, it was very scary. It went on for a long time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it changed the rules a bit with the referees being in, uh, being in warm up. Uh, a shout out to Excellent Photo Century, located close to downtown shopping and university ships to all of Canada professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear you really need. For those who missed it back then, paint the picture of actually what happened after. Right. So the, the everyone comes onto the ice. Some guys aren't wearing skates. You talked about Brown, who didn't have, you know, his jersey on or whatever. I think that was he was probably happy not to have that. Nyland fights him. Who was a Cordic fought Don Knockbauer, I think. McPhee tied up with Rick Tockett, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was there was a bunch of fights going on. I mean, uh, a lot of wrestling and stuff like that. But it was it was pretty scary. There was everybody was on the ice, and like you said, there was a lot of guys without skates on. Some guys without their top part of their equipment on. Uh, I think there was even guys out there with, with none of their equipment on. It was pretty uh, pretty nuts. But a lot of guys squared off uh, and uh, went for forever. It didn't look like it was going to ever end. And then finally, actually, uh, Larry Robinson got, uh, you know, ticked off and he just finally said enough's enough. And we all know how well respected Larry was around the league and even the Flyers. They said at that point, they went, wow, what's going on here? So uh, that's how it actually ended. Larry just said enough's enough and strung a couple of guys out, one from our team, I believe, and one from the Flyers and just said, this is enough. And then he kind of it kind of uh, broke up and kind of went to another area and kind of skirmished for a bit. And then he, he gave another little bit of a yell. And then finally everybody came to their senses and went to their own dress rooms. And we got on with the game and I don't think anybody got any penalties and nobody was suspended or fined. I'm not sure if the teams were fined or not, but back then I don't think anything happened. That's so just many, the way the times were back then. Yeah. He's Shane courses. So many things I remember about you, you lose that game by a score of four to three. If memory serves me well, I think Rick Tockett scores the game winning goal on a two on one with Brian prop after the game, you're sitting in your stall. And your helmet is like covered over your eyes and you are dejected as dejected could be. Can you remember, you remember that? Yeah. Anytime you lose, it's tough, especially during the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I always took losses hard, but most, mostly in the playoffs, it was really, really hard. I mean, it's most important time of the year. And, uh, 
uh, you battle so hard to get the opportunity to play in the playoffs and, and fight for that Stanley Cup. And when you uh, lose a game uh, like that, it's uh, it's really disappointing and frustrating for, for a player and for the team and for the organization, for the city. From a disappointing moment to a good moment, one of the games that will always stick with me is the Rangers versus the Canadians. Guy Lafleur <laughs> makes his comeback to Montreal. He scores two goals for the Rangers. People are going absolutely nuts. And at the end of the night, they're happy because the Canadians win. You scored what? How many goals did you score that night? I think you were the first star of the game or, or yeah. something behind Lafleur. How did that go? Well, I think I, I got three that night, I believe. Uh, it was uh, my claims of fame that I outscored Guy Lafleur in a game. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, I think Lafleur got first, second, and third star uh, for coming back and uh, being such a, a great player and a uh, Hall of Famer. And I got to know Guy uh, quite well. We played in a charity softball game. Uh, to tr- we traveled around, come back to, uh, you know, just to meet the fans, get to give them a chance to meet us. And uh, Guy was our coach and Yvonne Lambert, two people who I just have so much respect for. And they were so good to us. And all the, all the Hall of Fame guys, that, that was the biggest thing when I came to Montreal, having them all around, John Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, uh, Yvonne Cornwaye, Steve Shutt, uh, Yvonne Lambert, uh, Reggie Hull was my GM the one at one point. But yeah. just all the great players were amazing. But, yeah, it was a fun night for me. Uh, uh, you know, I think the third goal was an open netter, so I have to be honest. Uh, it was a pretty easy one, All right. wide, wide open net. But I'll, but I'll take it. I can still say I outscored Guy Lafleur in one game. That'll be the only game in the last game I did that. I know that. You were traded in 92, and uh, you were such a fan favorite when you were. And, uh, you know, at the time, there's. I remember picking up the French Daily newspaper at one point. You made the front page. Remember that? I don't want to bring up. I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, I made the front page a few times, I think. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, you were, I think the, the, the title was Corson Expulsé d'un bar back then. There was something that happened in that bar. If you know, if you want to get into it, if you don't want to, it's okay. But if you do, did you end up fighting a guy who played for the Alouettes or something? Yeah, it was a, it was a, I, I'd say it was a misunderstanding maybe on, uh, yeah. you know, they kind of chit chatted with somebody in the, uh, in the, establishment that uh we felt uh shouldn't have you know been talking to and then it just kind of escalated and got into a bit of a you know I was always somebody that would stick up for my my friends and my teammates I think it actually started with a friend of mine and uh I just was kind of actually standing up for him it was kind of between him and and the other guy at the start and then um kind of got involved and you know looking back at it now and being a little bit older and more mature I wish I would have just uh stayed out of it and let the uh the bouncers take care of it but um I don't think that was the only reason I got traded. I mean, there was other things that were going on and uh, they, and it's a business and teams have to make trades when they think that it's the right deal for them. So, yeah. uh, but it was definitely disappointing to leave Montreal. I love Montreal. It was a great, uh, great place to play hockey and uh, definitely hit me hard when it, when it actually happened. I, I know you loved Pat Burns, but you guys had a, you know, he was, he was tough on you at times. Right. And I remember one of the other things was, he came. He came out, and uh, he, he after that he was asked to comment, right? And he was not very happy with you. I think he said, "Well, tell him to go eat crap or something like that." But it was it was that. I mean, I, I'm sure you understood him, but would you have rather that he didn't say the things that he said on camera and he kept it between you guys, or? No, not at all. I understood uh, Pat. I love Pat. He was like a, a second father to me. He was incredible to my dad when my dad was sick and wrote a letter to my dad and. It meant a lot to me, and uh, I understood where, where Pat was coming from. He was—he wasn't just hard on me; he was hard on uh, all the players that he expected uh, a lot from. And 
that's all he was trying to do was trying to get the best out of uh, out of his players and and out of me. And that's why he pushed me so hard. And I actually had some of my best seasons playing for Pat. And that's because he did push me. And I, I uh, reacted well to somebody uh, giving me a push or kick in the butt. And uh, I appreciated everything he did for me. He stood behind behind me the, the whole time I was there. And, um, you know, when you deserve uh, some shit or crap uh, or a kick in the ass, you uh, – uh, you, uh, you should get it, and that's at that at that at that time I deserved it. And uh, like I said, looking back, I wish I would have uh, you know did some things differently. But uh, you're young, and you're just and you're a little bit immature, and you make some mistakes. But uh, no, I I I fully understood where Pat was coming from, and uh, he was incredible to me, and he uh, was very supportive of myself and my family. So uh, yeah. I miss him uh, uh, dearly. Go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items, whether it's Montreal Canadiens or Toronto Maple Leafs, St. Louis Blues, Edmonton Order, some of the teams that uh, Shane Corson played for, who married uh, a young lady f- who's from my hood, Villa Sal. Huh? Yeah, pretty cool. yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool, Villa Sal. It's, uh, it's a great little town. I've been there many times, and uh, like I said, I love Montreal and still have a lot of friends and family in Montreal, so it's pretty cool. When is the next? When was the last time you came to Villa Sal? I'm curious. Oh, it's been a while because of the pandemic. We haven't been able to leave Toronto really. We have stayed basically in our neighborhood, so it's been quite a while since I've been to been to Villa Sal. And uh, you know, actually, the, our, Kelly's brothers have moved outside of Villa Sal. So the last time I was there, I was just out in Beaconsfield. So probably uh, probably three years ago, I was in Beaconsfield. But yeah. the last two years, I haven't been down there because of the pandemic. I was supposed you to come know- down a few times, but just decided to stay safe and do the right thing yeah. and uh, not do that. Well, I hope you will at some point. I'd love to catch up with you, even though I know you have a lot of friends in this city. Um, formerly, uh, one of your partners in the restaurant business is from Montreal, I think, or not? Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he's a, I have a couple of buddies that moved to Toronto from Montreal. Then one of them started a restaurant here. I wasn't really a partner. That was a misunderstanding. Yeah. I had uh, loaned, a, loaned him a little bit of money to get started down here. But yeah, I've, I've, uh, I uh, have a lot of friends, like I said, still in Montreal and want a couple of move here to Toronto because uh, they were looking to, to get work and start businesses. So it was pretty yeah. nice to have them, have them down here. But you're in the restaurant business right now? No, no, I no. have no restaurants. My family started a restaurant years okay. and years ago and had it for 35 years. But no, I'm not in the restaurant business. My parents, I lost my dad when he was 45 and 93, but my mom and my oldest sister, Patty, I ran the, the business, but it was called Mom's Pantry. Had it for about thirty-five years, and then yeah. my mom and sister had had too much, so they needed they sold it. Uh, God, it's, I don't I can't remember. It's got to be ten years now. They've sold it. They sold yeah. it ten years ago or so. So yeah, so, no restaurants for me, man. What are you doing to keep busy? Well, like I said, not doing a whole lot during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, doing a lot of Zoom calls, doing the odd podcast, uh, doing some charity stuff on Zoom calls. But other than that, just sticking around the house in the neighborhood, trying to uh, stay safe and stay strong, and and uh, do what you need to do to to get back uh, somewhat normal life. Is there a reason why you didn't want to stay in hockey, or it, you know, is this something that ever interested you to, to to be still involved in the game, and whether it was coaching or an executive position or anything like that? Uh, no, not. Re- I, I mean, I love the game of hockey. I'm still a big fan, but I just yeah. uh, when I when I when I left the game uh, in Toronto here, I was suffering with mental health uh, illness and still do. So I was uh, mostly focused on getting better and uh, de- dealing with my uh, my mental health uh, uh, and getting better and being healthy. And and uh, if I hadn't done that, I might not be sitting here today talking to you. So uh, that was the most important thing to me. 
uh, now I just try to use platforms uh, like this to talk about that and and uh, be an advocate for, for mental health awareness. And I think it's very important because a lot of people suffer with it and a lot of people that you wouldn't even know suffer with it. And uh, that's something that I've learned through this whole process. Good for you, Shane. You've talked about your dad already on a couple of occasions and uh, everyone knew back then when your dad passed away, I think at age 45 due to cancer, it was obviously a real shock to you, right? And and it's still to this day, it's it's hard for you, huh? Yeah, it's, uh, he was my best friend. He was only 17 years old when I was born. So we were like best buddies and wasn't just my father. He was my mentor and he took care of all my, my stuff for me uh, financially. And, and just he was a guy I turned to if I needed answers or needed some advice. And to lose him at such a young age, it was tough on me for sure. And uh, like you mentioned, it's still tough. That's, uh, you know, I think that's one of the main reasons, not the only reason that I suffer with my mental health illness, but I never dealt with my father's death properly. And you know, I've, I've learned how to deal with it better uh, through this process, but it's still tough every day. And I, I think of him every day and I see him in my mind and uh, see his face every day. So it's it's not easy. I mean, a lot of people have lost uh, somebody they love dearly. So they all, under, all understand how hard it is. But uh, it, with him, it just uh, hit me really hard. And it took me a long time to uh, to accept it and to to understand understand it. I won't keep you much longer, Shane, because I still value your time. One or two minutes here, but... Uh, a quick story. You talked to us about Pat Burns, of course. A very quick story. Jean Perron, Mario Tremblay, Alain Vigneault. You played for all of them as well with the Canadians. Can you give me a quick Perron story? Uh, Jean Perron story? Yeah. Uh, I only had, I only actually had Jean my, my rookie year. I think it was my rookie year. And uh, as a rookie, I didn't say a whole lot. I stayed out of people's way uh, as coaches and, and uh, teammates. I just felt that I was a, a young guy. I just go there and do my work work at practice do my work at games and and uh keep my mouth shut so I kind of stayed away from the coaches so so if you're not seen you're not getting into trouble so that was a good thing with Jean but I just remember Jean as a really a really nice uh, person uh super nice and kind and he was almost too nice at times he was so understanding with his with his players and stuff like that and um I appreciate that he gave me a good opportunity in my rookie year so I owe a lot to Jean for sure Rajon Houle goes out and reacquires you at one point after Serge Savard had traded you, uh, reacquires you from the St. Louis Blues. So you played for Mario Tremblay and then Alain Vigneault. Uh, 30 seconds on Tremblay. Anything stick out? Uh, just super intense. He was the uh, same uh, as a coach as he was as a player. He uh, was super intense. Uh, he expected all his players to play with, play the way he did, and I don't think everybody was as intense as he was. I don't. I mean, it was a great quality that he had as a player and as a coach. I have a lot of respect for Mario Tremblay. He was another one of the guys who was around. He was my coach at that time, but he was always around before that too. So I have a lot of respect for him as a person and as a, as a, as a player, the guy played uh, the way you need to play to win championships. Obviously he was part of a champ- bunch of championship teams, but I enjoyed playing for Mario. I mean, he pushed us hard. You talked about Pat. He was another guy who would push you hard and expect a lot from you. And uh, I, I, uh, I appreciate that because I was similar to him in the intensity wise. I expected people to, uh, to give a hundred percent every night and every, every practice and every game. And he expected that. And uh, he had the fire in his eyes at all times. And uh, if you crossed him or you, you ticked him off, he, you were going to know about it. And, uh, but I appreciated that. At least you knew you st- where you stood with, with Mario Trombley. And Alain Vigneault? Uh, Alain is uh, somebody that, uh, you know, when I first got traded here, I, I struggled a bit when I got back to Montreal. Uh, and uh, he stuck with me in the following year. He, him and uh, Dave King really, really uh, believed in me and, and gave me a big uh, part uh, uh, on the team and expected a lot from me. And 
Uh, I owe a lot, a lot to them too for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to, to get my career back on track. Because the first year when I came back, I, I didn't have that great of a year. And then the following year, I actually uh, got to play with Saku and Mark Recchi. And uh, that's because of Elaine and Dave. And then I, I believe in my heart that both those guys played a big role in me uh, making it to the Olympic team in 98. I got picked up playing the 98 Olympics, and uh, that's something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life, playing in the Olympics. It was one of the greatest experiences, one of the most disappointing when we lost in the shootout. But I owe a lot to Lane and uh, Dave King, too. I, I don't want to leave Dave King out because I know that he played a big part in the uh, the part of me playing in the Olympics for sure. And I think they're two great coaches, and I'm happy to see Elaine doing well. One of the greatest players to play for both the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's Shane Corson. You can place your bets on my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag slash the sick podcast and use code SICKPICKS for a 50% deposit bonus when get a bet win get paid. So are we going to see a game seven? Yes or no? I think so. I think uh, coming back to Montreal, they're going to have, I think they have some fans there too, which I'll give them a little bit of a lift and yeah. You can't never count Carey Price out. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the Leafs got a great team. Uh, they got great forwards, and they're, they're pretty deep. And if Campbell can play well, uh, it's going to be tough for, for Montreal. But, uh, you know, they came out the other night, got up 3 nothing, and uh, the, you know, the Leafs battled back. you got to give them that. And and then Montreal stuck with it, and uh, Cofield and Suzuki made a good play and got the uh, got the winner. But it's going to be a tough game. It'll be uh, interesting. Like I say to everybody, it's hard for me to – to uh, favor one team because both teams gave me a great uh, opportunity to play in the NHL and uh, both uh, both organizations treated me amaz- amazingly and both uh, both sets of fans are incredible. They're two of the best, like I said, fans in, in all of sports and I was lucky enough to play for both of them. So I just want to see them both stay healthy and may the best team win uh, in the end. Shane Corson, uh, still breaking Mason's nose, one of the greatest nights of my life. I don't even know why. Just as a fan <laughs> of that in Vancouver, the way you gave the two shots, they're both. Yeah, oh, it was, that, that was pretty crazy when I, uh, you know, I hit Mason uh, a couple of times. He, if you see the whole play, though, he he stuck his elbow and knocked me down well behind the net, and then I did. Yeah. That's yeah. why I think I think my uh, the bell went off. I, I I couldn't control myself and went after him, and yeah, I gave him a couple, and he was a little bloody after it. So. And in front of all your family and friends in Toronto, I'll never forget that either. A big tilt with Ty Domi. Yeah. Well, we were able to that's what I, I was asked, I was asked the other day what I remember of, uh, the, you know, what were my favorite moments of the rivalry, and I couldn't really remember them because they were all so good. I love playing in the Montreal-Toronto uh, games. are incredible. The atmosphere and the buzz in the, in the uh, rinks were amazing. But I have to fight Ty three times. I remembered those. I didn't enjoy those at all, that's for sure. The greatest teammate you can have on the ice, one of the greatest friends you can have off the ice. Shane Corson, you were one of my favorites then. You're one of my favorites now. Keep fighting the good fight with mental health and take care of yourself and helping as many people as you do. I love you, bud. I think you're great, man. Thanks, Tony. Love you too, and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to to talk about mental health. I mean, I love talking about hockey and all the memories and stories, but uh, for me, it's all about... uh, trying to give it back and uh, mental health is very near and dear to my heart. I suffer with it and a lot of my friends and family do. So it's important for me to, to if I can help one person, uh, that's what's important for me. Good for you, Shane. All the best to you, bud. It's nice seeing you. Nice seeing you too. Thanks, Tony. I hope we could do this again sometime. All right, there you have Absolutely. it. Corson. I'm Marinaro. It's a sick podcast. And of course, tell all your friends about it. Follow us on all social media platforms and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the sick podcast. See you, Shane. See you, buddy. Thank you. See you, everybody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. 
Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond Organic Sleep.